0: This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Improve your development skills by completing coding exercises that are peer-reviewed by real humans. Learn more at upcase.com. Hey. Hey,
1: what's up? Oh, good. This is all set up.
0: Oh, did you set it up yourself?
1: Well, I came and sat down here and figured out what mic was on and then pushed record, so
0: if that counts, then yes. Okay. Is I it did...
1: recording me? Um, I see wave thingies in the Mm. recording thingy so I think so
0: (laughs) hey everybody this is Mark in San Francisco and this is Gordon Boston and this is Bill
1: Face so I have some you I want you to look at for the show okay all right this is what I spent I'm not gonna lie I spent a good chunk of the day Doing this
0: right here, ready? Oh my god. Yeah, dude. Hold on. I just got to sit through this ad real quick.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So many new video games these days. Yeah, I know. I don't know any of this. All right, here we go.
1: So, can you figure out what's happening here?
0: Yes. <laughs> wow. You want to describe it? I do. So I'm currently looking at a screen that is split into three panes. One is a video of two fish in a fish tank. And it is split into nine sections, which equate to moving forwards and backwards and pressing punch and kick.
1: Or just forwards and backwards. Or
0: up and down. So it's,
1: it's forward punch, up, backwards punch then backwards, I don't know what that middle one is, and then forwards, and then forwards kick, down, backwards kick. And so what's on the right side of the screen? Street Fighter. <laughs> Street Fighter 2. Yeah. So basically, this is a live feed. This is day nine of this, also. I feel bad I missed the first eight days of this competition. But so it's... <laughs> This is day nine of this dude set up this in this like color recognition because he's got a black goldfish and a gold goldfish, an orange goldfish, and he put him in a fish tank and he split up his fish tank into quadrants. And then whatever quadrant the fish are in, that's what move their character does on the next kind of cycle. <laughs> and so so the fish are just swimming around and... <laughs> inadvertently playing street fighter <laughs> some good matches too some like
0: really just dominating <laughs> yeah but but other times it's just them in their respective corners just low jumping. kicking
1: yes low kicking <laughs> or jumping there's a lot of that sometimes they get stuck but
0: <laughs> i think what i really like is that these fish both have sponsorships already mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the black Fish is clearly sponsored by slim jim
1: s.j robert the bruce just so we're clear you don't My see bad. the names there so it's the black goldfish his name is Robert the Bruce and the the gold goldfish is Aquarius. <laughs> oh, and in the chat you can bet on the fight. <laughs> so you can like you can like bet on who's going to win that
0: match, which is pretty great. Oh, well, Robert the Bruce for sure. He's just looking aggressive He's today. He's dominating. <laughs> <laughs> Can't tell if dominating or eating fish food.
1: <laughs> oh, there's also a feed command in the in the thing, which I think drops a, just a little bit of food in the tank, so it lures them up to the top. Uh. So my favorite thing is in the um, is in the FAQ for the channel. So there's a section in the FAQ called fish well being, and it just says just so that everyone is clear. The fish do not actually fight each other in real life, just in the video game. Thankfully, their fish brains cannot comprehend the violence at this level of abstraction. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, so yeah, there's like, you know, so they if they hit a corner, then obviously they do that move. But the fun thing is if they're hanging out like in between two quadrants or like... At the intersection of four quadrants, they will perform all of those simultaneously. So you can get special moves (laughs) if if they just happen to hit the right,
0: you know, pretty fun. I'm stunned. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's great that Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're at a point in our lives where (laughs) such things can exist. But I'm (laughs) also a little worried. Yeah. Anyway,
1: I'm tired. It's been a stressful couple days.
0: Why is that, Gordon?
1: Because we literally just hit the submit button on our app. Mm-hmm. And that is just so nerve-wracking. Like, I haven't done that in a while now. Like, actually, like, you know, I've worked on apps that have shipped, but a lot of times it was with a bigger company, and so someone else was actually pushing those builds out. So all of a sudden I'd be like, oh, this app has an update on my phone, and I didn't even realize... This is the first time in a while that I've shipped a 1.0, you know, especially one that I spent this long on. And so it's kind of like last minute stuff, just kind of trying to clean things
0: up and stressing out. And now that it's submitted, you're sitting here wondering, like, did I make the right certificate? <laughs> like, or is that profile correct?
1: No, I mean, I, I had to create it right when I submitted because I didn't have one. I'd forgotten to do that. I just pushed a master by the way, that certificate. Just threw it yep. in the
0: signing directory. Push it up. That's that's fine. Mm-hmm. Verbal thumbs up. Oh, good.
1: Yeah, but that's just super I, I mean, that's just so freaking stressful for me. Just cause that's when my mind starts going through like, oh, what if I forgot something? What if what if you know, we've sent enough beta builds out and we have enough unit tests that I know that it's all gonna be okay, but there's always that what if I miss something, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't know. We'll see. I have a week to stress about it. So that's good. Has your week been? Same, same. <laughs> yeah. Do we do anything interesting this week or was it just kind of bullshit? I feel like it was mostly bullshit. Yeah, it
0: was just incredibly minor things.
1: What was that air banner thing? Oh, there were two things that we could – there actually is stuff we can talk about. So we have two emails. So the first one is from – uh-oh. Good luck. (laughs) I'm going to say – I mean Christopher.
0: That part's clear. (laughs) Well done. Lessel? That's what I was going to say too. Yeah?
1: Okay. Sorry if that's not right, Chris. Um, But Chris is an iOS dev in Stockholm, and he wrote – Hej, which I also don't know how to pronounce, but is Hey in Swedish. And I know that because of all of the uh, Swedish people that we have in our Stockholm office. Um, he said, I need to know what happened to the build server. You had so many problems in episode 49 that I'm so curious how it ended, especially since you didn't know what to talk about in the last one. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I kind of don't like those. So what he's referring to is that a few episodes ago we were complaining about these intermittent errors that we were getting um, in our test suite only seemingly only on Travis when we were building. And we were talking through this a branch that had some more, it seemed like the same kind of errors, but more pronounced and more repeatable. So those we fixed. You know what I mean? The ones that were... There, and were repeatable on that one branch, we were able to fix, and i don 't remember what the fix was specifically, but it wasn't like groundbreaking stuff really. It was just that we we did we were doing some things i don 't know if we were doing them wrong in the production code, but we were because of the way we were testing them it was introducing failures in weird places right so those those got fixed, but the ones on the server i don't know what happened to those. They're still happening, but way less frequently. Like I'd say one out of every twenty times now, they're happening, not one out of every three, which is what it kind of felt like last time. You agree? Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And and I haven't seen one since we updated OC Mock to three one.
1: I don't think that's true. There was one like two days ago that you said, "What's this?" There was a failure, and you go, "You said I got this failure." I was like, "Oh, just rerun it." That's the Remember it was like a failure where it thought I, I
0: I think that happened two days ago, but I think that branch that was sitting there was uh, before from before uh,
1: maybe i don 't know it 's hard to say you know what i mean they 're so sporadic that that it 's hard to say if they are still around or what and what 's causing them, and I still don 't know I still don 't think it 's a production code thing. I still think that the production code 's fine, I still think it 's something in the tests themselves that's just failing to click so i'm not incredibly concerned about them and since they are happening like i said like once every 20 or so test runs i'm also they're not bothering me enough and the signature right the big thing for me is that the signature of those failures is very very specific Every single time, what happens is that it's it's always in the API client. That's always where it's it fails, and it's always that the completion block was never called. And I'm un, I'm unclear about whether or not the completion block was never called because the request failed, or if it's a. And I, I could probably look into this, but I, I could look into this more if I could repeat them locally. Right, that's the big thing. Is I can't fix these failures because I can't reproduce the failures but basically the completion block is never called so you get failures like expected a user to be returned from this method got nil null and that's what they always look like and they'll only happen on like like our ci server runs the against the 64-bit architecture and the 32-bit architecture it'll almost always it'll only happen on one of them if there's a failure on both of them it's almost always different failures you know so they just they look like intermittent tests the signal, the failure itself is very very clear it's very easy to pick it out of a you know i have a list of test failures and like yeah okay that one's bullshit but the rest are are legitimate so i don't know i'm kind of not spending a whole lot of time worrying about it like it's still there and i would still love to get it fixed i still love to know what the hell is going on there but since i can't repeat it locally and it's happening really 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 Intermittently on the server, you feel the same way. It's just yeah. kind of not worth. It's kind of not worth dealing with. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it was really two issues at once, and there were the the fixable ones, the problems we actually had, and then the intermittent Travis errors kind of just started at the same time. Yep. and we thought we had a serious problem. Yep. We fixed some of it. Most of it went away. It now runs semi-reliably, and we're really willing to just chalk it up to. I wouldn't even say
1: semi-reliably. Like it runs, I'd say moderately reliable. Like like, you know, I'm splitting hairs here, but like it's re- it runs reliably. Like what, like you said, how many builds have we done in the past month? You know what I mean? Like hundreds. Yeah. And I think I've seen two failures, maybe three of those fake failures, you know? So it's like it sucks. I'd rather have that be zero. I really, really would. It would make me feel better if they were zero because there is that part of me that's kind of like, I've gotten a failure email from Travis, like, you broke the build. And I'm like, no, I didn't. Like, I don't even look at the stack traces. Like, no, I didn't. I didn't change anything in the build. I couldn't have broken the build if I didn't. You know what I mean? Like, I change a, a constraint. And we're not, again, we're not doing unit level tests. So there's no testing on, like, buttons showing up or not showing up. So I know for a fact that if I change a constraint, there's nothing there that's going to cause any of our tests to fail. So if I go in and I change, the, change a constraint, or I think, <laughs> I think the failure I got, um, I got a failure last night. And it was because it was on the, a build that I basically pushed up for a code review and then immediately, or no, I pushed it up. And I think I opened a pull request, but didn't merge it. What did I do? I don't remember. I thought, it was, I thought it was a failure that I got on a branch that did nothing but add, like, a text file for the client as, like, a checklist of all the stuff that we needed to be able to ship the app. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, no, that did not cause a failure in the build. You know what I mean? And so I've gotten those emails, and they mean less to me now. You know? That's the problem here is that, is that failure emails mean less to me than they should. Those should be huge red flags, but what they are now is kind of like yellow. Oh, well, it's probably this
0: false positive. The build that cried broken. Yeah, exactly. Let's cut that out. That's not funny. <laughs> I know Tom's going to leave it in.
1: He is. Only because you said, let's cut that out. So that's good. Thanks for writing in, Chris. And then the other email that we got. And I actually think, because this is something we keep touching on, and I don't think we've actually talked about it as much as we could, and it directly relates to the stuff that we were doing we were doing this week or you were doing specifically this week with the alert banner so this is from uh, Tim Brooks, and he said, "I really enjoyed your last episode. Uh, that was the flip cup thing. Some interesting ideas. Could you guys elaborate some time on how you structure your app view controller?" Are you using view controller containment, subclassing, simple composition? I'm really curious to see if it's an approach that would work for me in some of my use cases. How do you prevent it from being a global junk drawer? So I'll go over real quick like the high-level architecture. The high-level architecture is that our app delegate, it creates its window, right, and then it has a lazily initialized controller. I don't even remember what we call it.
0: Is I think it just, it's an application, application controller.
1: controller. So, we have an application controller. That application controller does things like, I think it's got like two methods on it, really. It's got, or three, it's got three. So, it's got initialized application that does things, some stuff like setting up UI appearance nonsense, and kind of setting some, like if we were using NS user defaults, I'd probably put that. Kind of stuff in there. Like, you know, it's all calling out to other objects, but all those objects are basically anytime anything normally needs to happen inside application did finish launching, it's going inside this initialize application thing inside the application controller. And then it's got another method called initialize external libraries. And that's where we do things like set up hockey, which we're using for beta testing and crash reporting, and push notifications uh, and analytics. No, yeah, yeah. Push, I don't know where push notifications is happening, but it's like you know, we have wrapper classes around all those things. And so that's where we're centralizing the calls, of those things that need to happen to initialize third-party parts of the application that should be set up at, at, at finish launching. And then there's a root view controller method. So what happens basically is when we create the window, we set its root view controller to the application controller's root view controller. Right, So the app delegate at this point, it knows basically nothing. It does a little the only thing it does is it, it passes some stuff down the line for push notifications, for example, like those we have to have a tunnel there somewhere because those have to come into the application delegate, but everything else we've shoved over into this application controller. And then the application controller asks the application view controller for its initial view controller. Is that right?
0: No. So the application controller vends the initial view controller. And when it sets it up, it also configures it with the application view model. Right. And so this is kind of the entry point where, you know, since view models vend more view models, if you had things to cascade down that need to be sort of everywhere, this is where you'd kick it off. Like if we were using core data extensively, I could see you setting up your stack here and then injecting uh, the managed object context into the first application view model assigning it to the application view controller, that view controller gets vended out and set on the window, and you're set up. Then that view model would, you know, in our case, it vends view models for each of the tabs in the tab bar controller, um, and it would pass like the managed object context down as needed. We're not actually doing that, but that's the idea. Um, the main point here is that to keep the application delegate from becoming a junk drawer, we've thought about what are the, what are the things that an app delegate commonly does and split those responsibilities out into other objects. First and foremost being the application controller, which is just kind of getting you stood up. View related concerns are in the application view controller, and the sort of like uh, initial setup to drive the view is all done in the application view model. The application view controller itself is just set set as the root view controller, and our real root view controller, which is a tab bar controller in this case, is added as a child view controller. With the application view controller so we are using uh, view controller containment yes
1: so basically at the high at the high level of our view architecture we have one single view controller that's wrapping our entire application everything happens with the exception of presentation view controllers because those act differently as of iOS seven but whatever um, but everything happens inside this application view controller so when we create the tab bar view controller that gets added as a child view controller to the application view controller and then if we need to switch between the tab bar view controller and the authentication view controller right we need to like log a user in or the user needs to log out we need to go back and forth between those now we have a really really clean place to at the very high level we say this is where we need to move this one view controller out and move another view controller in and it gives us a place to do like animations between those two states and kind of do whatever we want. It also gives us a hook into – like last time we were talking about – was that last week? We were talking about error reporting? So last week we were talking about error reporting. That's where we catch those errors that we're throwing from the – so quick recap. Like in our app, our network stack basically throws a notification or posts a notification with an error if it encounters an error in, the, in anywhere in the API stack. So if JSON parsing fails or if, you know, we don't have a network connection or if, you know, we get back anything outside of a 200 response, any of that stuff, the network client wraps that error up in an error that we're creating. So we're setting, like, the under, underlying error key or, like, setting a JSON value, whatever we need to do to get a nice error instance, And then we're passing that into it as the object of a notification. And then the view controller, which is, in my mind, it's like the two opposite ends of the stack. You know, we have, like, the network stack sitting at the bottom and then the view controller stack. And especially the application view controller is sitting way, way, way up at the top. So it catches that notification and then basically is able to transform it into a string. And, well, do you want to talk about this because you're the one that –
0: Yeah. So we, we, we catch the error notification. We run it through a transformer that knows how to look inside that the user info of the error, which is just a dictionary. And the, the actual error message that we're concerned with that comes back from the server is buried inside. So this transformer just turns that error into a single string that can be injected into this view and then displayed. And it's just a banner. It looks a lot like the iOS banners. Um, you know, Tweetbot does something similar but basically that view itself is a it's a singleton and it gets added to the window it has another view inside of it that slides down from the top if you tap on it it dismisses it also dismisses itself after a few seconds um what else do you want me to explain about it
1: nothing i just think that i i mean the only reason that it's as easy to do as it is is because we have this top level view controller right If we didn't have that top-level view controller and we were actually setting the root view controller directly, we'd have to start screwing around with the window or digging through our Windows root view controller's view hierarchy to find a view that we want to show this thing from. Like, it'd be really gross. But because we're doing it up at this high level, we're able to have this nice thing that slides down and replace it. You know, it it basically changes the color of the status bar, too, because of how all that crap works, you know, cause it slides down back behind the status bar as well. I mean, it's, it's just really a nice clean place to put it. So to answer the questions, like we're, we're using view controller containment directly. I don't think we have a single, but we're also using composition. I mean, the composition is coming from our MVVM stack. So we have, we have view models that we're composing into views and those are resulting in, in a thing. Um, But we don't have any view controller subclasses, do we? Oh, in one place. For any time we have a list of posts and we want to modify that list of posts, we have a couple different subclasses there. But that's the only place that we have a subclass of view controller that we're using in multiple places. Specifically, how to prevent it from becoming a global drunk drawer is, I think, the same way you would prevent the app delegate from becoming a global drunk drawer. Which is that... like. I don't know willpower like I don't you know it's like you just you shouldn't be using things that want to be around for that long you know what I mean and if they want to be around for that long you should be treating them as things that want to be around for that long not looking for a place to bolt them onto, just so that they get the side effect of being around for a long time right like it's the people that, that say, oh, I don't want a singleton, so I'm going to put this on the the app delegate, and I'm just saying I access it through the app delegate. It's like, no, you just created a singleton. Like, I've actually seen people that have – or I've seen code bases that have, that have that, that have a thing. There's something that needs to be around and needs to be accessible from everywhere. And I honestly have no idea if this is just not knowing how to use the singleton pattern in Objective-C or if this is – was a conscious design decision, but people that use like, they'll bolt this thing onto the application delegate and then write a macro for getting to it. So then it's like, you know, so then you have this this define thing that just makes it easier to type, but you're still just digging through the delegate, you know, and then casting the delegate and then grabbing a thing off that instead of just using the singleton pattern, which we're also trying to avoid. You know what I mean? It's like,
0: Right. right, right. It's not about how you access objects. That's the problem with the singleton pattern. It's the fact that you have this thing that's managing its own lifetime. Yeah. That's, I think, what it comes down to.
1: Right. Although, in this case, it's implicitly managing its own lifetime because it's attached to something that manages its own lifetime. But even the delegate isn't... Is the app delegate actually a singleton? I don't know how
0: that works under the covers. Well, I mean... You have one instance of UI application for your application that I get will that, never change.
1: I, I, get that, I get that it happens to be a singleton because it's only instantiated once. But what I'm saying is like when you call UI application, you call it delegate. So it's not a... Yeah, shared application. Yeah, shared application. So the application is a singleton. Then the app delegate isn't technically... Like you could instantiate multiple app delegates if you really wanted to, but...
0: Sure, I... Well, let's see if delegate is um, writable on your application.
1: It has to be based on urban airships code because they're swapping that out. Yep.
0: Yeah. So in theory, you could have multiple app delegates and reassign them. Uh, That seems like overkill because if you're in a point where you want to switch out those delegates, you probably have too much going on in that delegate. Right. Like like it's doing things that are too important for being in the app delegate. Like try to get in and out of the app delegate as quick as possible. Yeah. We could absolutely switch out our application controller if we wanted to, mm-hmm. and it could have some new root view controller, and we would just assign it, and everything would be great.
1: So, getting back to the getting back to the junk drawer question, though, I think the main thing there is that I've never felt a need to turn this into a junk drawer because we're very we have a very clear responsibility, right? The top level view controller is responsible for dealing with top level view related things. So switching out the individual flow view controllers and displaying notifications at this super high level that's accessed from anywhere. That's it. That's all it does. It listens to notifications, you know what I mean? It responds to notifications like did log in, did log out, did receive error. I think that's it. But that's all it does. It it basically stands up some view, some view hierarchies and manages those moving around right so it's a very very clear concern for what this object should be doing so i'm never like i don't have anywhere to put this thing i'll just bolt it on to the view controller you know that's just a matter of adhering to srp honestly i'm trying to think of anywhere in the app where we're kind of doing that kind of thing i think that if anything the lower level view models and view controllers and that's where stuff starts to get messier like in our application specifically like in the post detail stuff those are by far our biggest classes in the application i think just because there's like now all of a sudden this screen is dealing with two different kinds of cells and two different kinds of well the view controller is dealing with two different kinds of cells and the view model is dealing with two different kinds of sub view models and you know it's it's dealing with too much. I, uh, that's the one place in the app that I want to break apart. Um, it's also yeah. the only place in the app that I think we have classes over two hundred lines. I know I said I said in a previous show that we didn't have any, and now at this point, those have crept over that line. Not a lot. Like you know, I think we're still sitting around two fifty is our largest class, but that's too big. Um,
0: I want to get that down. Yeah, that view controller is begging for view controller containment. Oh yeah, a manual scroll view load the two view controllers, load their views in. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure.
1: I mean, I don't want to just keep railing on SRP here, but I think that's the key to that question. I, I think that, that the idea that anything could become a global junk drawer is, I don't know, is it a straw man? Like, it's it's just not something that's going to pop up if you make design decisions. I don't want to say the right way, but if you make decent design decisions... You know, I don't think you should end up in a place where you need a global junk drawer.
0: Yeah, it's I I think it's it's hard to go too far pulling things out. And when you do it, you'll you'll know it. And you can be like, oh, okay, well, this thing is really just doing nothing. So I'm just going to fold this back into where it was. But at least you'll know because you found that boundary. Right. It's always a learning experience.
1: I mean, the big thing for me is, like, the objects that stem off of the application controller and the app delegate. You know what I mean? It's like the way that kind of fans out from you have the app delegate and the app delegate's talking to the application controller and the application controller's talking to all these things. All of that, everything and all of that, there's no real reason that those need to be discrete objects. There's no real reason that those need to be broken apart. You know, those could. we could take that same code not change a line, and just move it from one class back into the application delegate, and it would work exactly the same. There's no re... It's not like we're reusing any of that stuff. It's not like we're composing these weird things together. Like, I'm not composing my hockey app controller into my push notification controller to create a new object. You know what I mean? These are just dumb wrapper objects that are sitting there to do one specific thing but the benefit there this is something that we talked about in like episode two or three about just creating more objects and not creating objects for the sake of reusability and not creating objects for the sake of composability but creating objects that have a reason to exist you know i think this is a good example of that
0: i think the advantage of of splitting things out as we have is that We've, you know, exposed their behavior publicly in a testable way.
1: Yeah, for sure. And some of it isn't tested, honestly. Like, the, you know, I'm not going to test the hockey controller. Like, I, there's nothing to test there. You know what I mean? I think we have a couple tests around push notifications, but only because there's a little bit of logic in there. Just in terms of there's some logic around when do we ask for permission for push notifications and when do we send stuff to our server and when do we send stuff to zero pushes servers there's a little bit of logic in there about like current like are you logged in or are you logged out and we have to kind of reset stuff at certain times and de with our server if they log out so that you know like those those kind of things like weird there's some weird logic there so there's some tests there but a lot of those objects that are coming off of the view can the application controller don't have tests. And I don't, I'm not sure that the application controller itself has a lot of tests around it because it's doing very, very simple pass-through stuff that isn't very testable. My point being that it's not even about testing at that point. It's just about, like, today, for example, I had to update the, you know, we were pushing to the App Store, so I was like, well, I need to hook it up to the App Store version in Hockey, you know, so I needed to change the App ID, and I didn't have to think twice about where to look for that. I just jumped to the hockey app controller. And right there at the top, there's the constant declared for the for the app ID. Change it out, done. Move on. You know? I know for a fact that if I need to do something with push notifications, I just go to the push notification controller. I know that if I need to change the way views are interacting with themselves each other at a high level, like logging in and logging out, I just go to the application view controller. I know that if I need to change the view models that are vended at the top level, I go to the application view model because that's like – those are the tops of those stacks. You know, It's just about separation of concern and easing – just making it easier for you as a developer to get around. That's really all it is. This is not – it's not making our app any faster. It's not making our app more robust, this architecture, at this high level. It's not. But what it's doing is it's just making it easier for me as a developer to go exactly where I need to go, fix exactly what I need to fix, and get the hell out of there,
0: you know? Mm-hmm. You wrapped that up nicely, but I want to, like, jam yeah. one more point in and there that I just yeah. I just noticed in the code. Is that also by having the, let's see here, application view controller as a point of flexibility between the Windows root view controller and your app, it lets you do things Like basically throw away what you think of as the normal part of the app when you log out. So we previously had a bug where you would log out, you would log back in as a new account. And when you come back to the tab bar controller, like the old tab is selected, you're buried in some nav stack because we were never throwing that thing away. So when it came time to fix that, we said, oh, well, you know, obviously we don't need to be retaining this. We literally just like deleted the property and said, whenever we need a, a new tab bar controller, we're just going to make one now. And with a, with a brand new tab bar view model, and it's reset back to a baseline state. If that was assigned directly as the root view controller of the window on the app delegate, you would have to probably add something to that view controller that's like a reset method. That is wrong. Throw the instance away and start over.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. It almost comes all the way back to singleton stuff, right? The biggest problem with the singleton pattern is that now you have state that is always there that you can't get away from. And so you have to create these methods to modify the state of that object as opposed to if you're just creating things. Like this is one of the things I love about our network stack I think mo- most network stacks that I've seen in sample codes end up being singleton things that you just call into and you, you perform requests on them. But they're always like shared API client. You know what I mean? You're always getting to this one instance that's sitting off over there. We don't do that. Most of the time we don't even hold on to it. We literally do API client new because we're trendy hipsters and we're using new. Um, but you do like API client new and then like fetch posts with completion block. And you know what I mean? It's like. We're not holding on to that thing anywhere. It's We're creating it on demand, we're telling it to do a thing, and then we're letting it go. And because of that, I'm never concerned about, like, oh, well, what if this other request down here changed some setting in my API client? You know what I mean? What if I have a request that needed to do something specific and so it changed a setting on the shared instance of the API client? This is super contrived. But, you know, so now... You know, now i got to add code about, like, checking to see if this bit is flipped and then flip it back. Well, we don't have to do that because we're just creating things and destroying them and just creating them and destroying them. And our view hierarchy is like that now, too, like you're saying. Like, the fact that we can just, like, oh, we need to show the tab bar controller. Let's build one, and then we'll show it. And then you log out. It's like, well, we don't need this crap anymore, so let's throw that whole thing away. And it lowers our memory footprint, too, because... We're not creating, like, we were already not creating stuff if we didn't need it because they were lazily initialized. So, if you just launch into the navigate, the authentication controller or the authentication flow, we're not creating a tab bar controller until you need it. That's how it was before. But once we created the tab bar controller, we were holding on to the authentication flow forever until the app was relaunched, until you're launched into the tab bar controller. It's like, why? That's a whole navigation stack that we literally don't care about we're not using you're not going to see it it was actually still in the view hierarchy just because of a stupid oversight on our part when we were writing this out my part really but um we just dumped the tab bar controller on top of the authentication flow so back behind the tab bar controller if you got to there were when we were developing there was a couple places where we didn't have a content for a tab yet so we hadn't set a view controller there so it had no view so all of a sudden you tap over to tab and you see the authentication controller back you know behind everything because it's just sitting there just off off screen and so now we by not having to hold on to that stuff we're just able to manage stuff directly and not worry about
0: lingering that too comes back to making it easy on yourself make it easy to reason about the lifetimes of your objects and how they interact exactly Damn, we dropped some knowledge today. I hope that. Boom. I hope that answered some questions. Yeah. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, thanks, Tim, for writing in. Appreciate it. Oh wait, we have spam too. Do you want to read the spam out? I just got this. Frank here from Adult Web Designing. Want to take two minutes from your busy life? Do you have a website of your own? If no, we can build a fully customized website for as little as fifty dollars a month. Then, like a asterisk, and then with dash.
0: A list of items with one item in it.
1: Well, I think this is Google's moderation making this better, this spam better, because I think it's chopping it off. <laughs> but I like this version better. Like, I don't want to, I don't care if there are more bullet items. I love the idea that this dude was like, We give you all these things, this thing. <laughs> all, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> all he's offering is a domain of my choice
0: we got one a few days ago that's supposedly an amazon coupon <laughs> Did we? yeah and the content of it is is just a series of like um hex codes and <laughs> like i'm pretty sure that's not right awesome such good spam oh man
1: all right we have anything else no man cool dude Robert the Bruce has a full 13-game lead on you Aquarius right now. still have this right up? Now. Shit, yeah, I have it up. What else am I going to do? Um, show notes for this episode are going to be found at podcasts.thoughtbot.com slash buildphase slash 53.
0: And we'd like to hear from you, so email us at buildphase at thoughtbot.com. We will clearly respond to you. Or reach out on Twitter at buildphase. And as always, we'd appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes.
1: All right. Okay, I'll I'll later, you, man. man.
0: See you.